grant legal status to DREAMers, as well as a comprehensive spending agreement that would raise spending on both defense and non-defense programs. Without it, they said, Democrats would not be able to support the stopgap. Unless we see a respect for our values and priorities, we continue to urge a strong no on the continuing resolution, Pelosi said in a letter to House Democrats on Wednesday. Thus, House Republican leaders are under major pressure to assemble enough GOP votes to pass a stopgap. House leaders readied votes on two separate spending bills. The stopgap, which would temporarily extend funding for government agencies until January 19th, and also include temporary extensions of the Warrantless Surveillance Program and the Children's Health Insurance Program, and the $81 billion disaster funding bill that would provide relief funds to victims of this year's hurricanes and wildfires. The latter bill, hung by a thread Thursday morning, Republican leaders sought Democratic votes, inserting provisions late Wednesday directing additional funding to Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands in response to Democratic leaders' demands. Democrats indicated that it would not be enough, pointing to various tax and spending provisions that would leave the two territories behind. Those things must be fixed, Schumer said, indicating that the disaster funding may have to slip to next year. I think we can work it out in a bipartisan way, I certainly do. But just jamming it through without consulting us and not being fair to so many other parts of the country doesn't make sense, he added. House leaders huddled Thursday morning with GOP members of the Texas and Florida delegations, whose states were hard hit by hurricanes. They left largely satisfied with the state of the bill. We're 99% of the way there, said Representative Bill Flores, Republican Texas. Another controversial provision was also added to the House stopgap Wednesday, a measure waiving mandatory cuts to entitlement programs forced by the passage of the tax bill. The bill slashed revenue by nearly $1.5 trillion according to the Nonpartisan Joint Committee on Taxation, adding to the federal deficit. That impact triggers a 2010 law that makes automatic spending cuts to Medicare and other programs if lawmakers increase the deficit. Lawmakers can cancel these spending cuts if they pass a waiver, but that requires bipartisan cooperation. It needs 60 votes to pass the Senate. Senator Rand Paul, Republican Kentucky, a fierce advocate for lower federal spending, accused his fellow Republicans of reneging on calls to cut spending and said he would force a separate vote on the waiver. This is going to happen again unless conservatives, libertarians, people who believe in limited government, stand up, Paul said. Democrats opposed the GOP tax bill in part because they said it was fiscally irresponsible. And some have said they would not help Republicans by passing the waiver, particularly as many Republicans have vowed to target deep spending cuts to social welfare programs next year. But this decision could divide Democrats, who are typically fiercely opposed to any reductions in Medicare, which would see roughly $25 billion in cuts per year. Republicans don't want to shoulder the blame of cutting spending to such a popular program, and Democrats may find themselves torn about whether to let them off the hook. 56 Miles from Temptation by Terrence McCoy In the Washington Post National Section, I'm Sam Scholl. Floyd County, Kentucky. The trailer had looked like a good place to disappear, and so they had come, spending every dollar of his disability check on the move, and then some, pawning her wedding ring and his guns, believing it wasn't too late to begin a new life if only they could get away from the old. Now it was 28 days into this new life, and where were they? Roger Ray, 48, was clean, sober for the longest stretch of time since the accident more than a decade ago. He was alone, his wife Melinda, lying down in the bedroom, which was pretty much all she had done since her overdose just days before the move. He was in pain, in his lower back, in his right knee, feeling it with a clarity that only sobriety could bring. He was drinking coffee, thinking. 
It would be so easy to sneak back to Sailorsville to meet a drug contact, so easy to deaden what he felt with whatever he could get, opioids, cocaine, methamphetamine. Fifty-six miles and five turns was all that separated him from his old life there. He could do it in less than two hours, drive, turn, acquire, use. He had promised Melinda that he wouldn't, that she could trust him now, but every day he seemed to hurt more and function less. And what was he going to do about that? How was he supposed to stop using drugs if drugs were the only thing that he knew of that would erase his pain? He felt trapped. One more person caught in an ever-widening net of pain and addiction in a country where the geography of disability is increasingly overlapping with the geography of opioid use. Over the past generation, disability in America changed. As the number of people receiving federal disability benefits surged, before tapering off in 2015, the share with circulatory disorders such as heart disease, once the plurality, shrank significantly.